chapter 6 today. We've moved into the final chapter of this book as we're studying through in this series that we're calling Shine and those boys and girls headed down to Children's Church. You can be heading that way. Thank you to all those who take care of our little ones and minister to them in so many ways. Ephesians chapter 6. We'll be there in just a moment. Ephesians chapter 6. D.L. Moody is one of my favorite characters from church history. And D.L. Moody said that a man ought to live so that everybody knows he is a Christian and most of all his family ought to know. Hmm. I want to talk to you a little bit today about this topic, being a Christian at home. Being a Christian at home. You know, at church, in Sunday school, in youth group, in team kid, in Bible study, it's easy to act like and talk like and behave like a Christian. Now, we know that if we're a Christian, we're a Christian at all times and all places, all the time. But do we live like it? Are we a Christian? Do we live like a Christian at home? Do we live like a Christian at work? In other words, do we live like a Christian in the daily grind, in the nitty-gritty of life? 
Our study of Ephesians addresses these things, and we'll begin looking at this today, thinking again about the home. Uh, We started last week talking about the home. Last week was all about the marriage and the marriage relationship and husbands and wives. And uh, today we move on to the next step. In fact, I'm kind of glad. I didn't know that y'all were going to be up from the front row, but this is is good today. So we're talking about the home. And you remember that little song, and I I don't know if they still sing it, and it was never nice when they sang it, but do you remember a little song, maybe they sung it to you, or maybe you were honest, you sung it to other people. A little song that says, Boy and Girl Kissing in a Tree. Uh, K-I-S-S-I-N-G, remember that? First comes love. Then comes marriage, and then comes what? The baby carriage. Do they still sing that song? Did you ever heard that song? <laughs> well, here comes the baby carriage today. All right, we've we've moved to that step. Last week was about husbands and wives. This week we move on to the baby carriage. We move on to children. Now you got to remember that when the Bible speaks, God speaks. You want, to hear, you want to hear God's voice? You want to hear God out loud? Then just read your Bible out loud and you'll hear the Lord speak. Because when the Bible speaks, God speaks. And we have here God's Word when it comes to children and fathers. And I want you to hear the Word of the Lord. Now, we're in Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to take just the first four verses. And then God willing, when I get back, we'll dive into the next part of Ephesians 6. And, and we'll talk some more about being a Christian in another sphere of life. And then we'll talk about spiritual warfare for a little bit. Then we'll end up our study in Ephesians. And you be praying with me because I'm kind of figuring out exactly where God wants us to go next when we get into uh, later on in the year. But let's look today in Ephesians chapter 6, just the first four verses, all right? It's very, very plain, very clear. It says in Ephesians chapter 6, beginning at verse 1, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Now this instruction is bold and it's concise and it's clear. He speaks to the children first and then he speaks to the fathers. Now, when we think about children, we're talking here about all those that are still under the authority of mom and dad. And he says very plainly and very clearly here that children are to obey and honor their parents. And they're to do that in the Lord. Now, obey is the action. And honor is the attitude. And and while it's true that we eventually mature to adulthood, or at least we should, And there comes a day where we don't have to obey our parents anymore. There really never comes a time where we're not to honor them. So this command is a command for life. One part is for one phase of life, and then the other part's for the rest of life, if you will. But really, all of it is for the beginning, and then the second part for later on. We're to obey and honor while we're under their authority, and then after we get out from under their authority, we grow up, become adults, then we're to honor them in the days to come. The idea of obeying parents is fundamental to society. And part of the problem that we're seeing in society today is a failure of this command right here. You see, when a child doesn't learn to obey their parents, they miss vital training they need in their life. 
and for their life. And that is to submit to authority. You see, if, if a child doesn't learn to submit to the authority of mom and dad at home, well, they stay at home for four or five years and then they go to school. And if they haven't learned to obey mom and dad at home, when they go to school, they don't end up obeying the teacher and the principal. And what happens is they never learn this lesson. They then go on from school if they make it through school and they get a job or maybe they get a job while they're in school and they have someone called a boss or a supervisor. But see, they didn't learn authority at home. They don't do authority in school. So now they struggle because they realize there's a person there that's in charge that tells them what to do and yet they struggle with that. And then they move on from that as they continue to mature and all of a sudden they realize, well, there's a government that's over me as well and I have to submit to their authority and there are policemen and there are other people in authority and all throughout my life there are people who are in authority and we can see very quickly how I break down at the very fundamental level of not learning to obey and honor parents at home has a ripple, devastating effect throughout a child's life throughout society. And what are we seeing today? We're seeing a breakdown of that all over the place where people are not willing to submit to authority. That is, there's this attitude of rebellion, the attitude that no one's going to tell me what to do. I just tell you, beloved, that's tragic. And that's sad. To have that kind of attitude. In fact, we see that kind of attitude... In fact, I want to write these references down. Listen as I read some of these to you. In Romans 1, by the way, if you're wondering what's going on, go read Romans 1. A lot of what we're seeing is outlined in Romans 1. People professing to be wise become fools. And we're seeing that in our society. But in Romans chapter 1, verse 18, it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. You think, wow, the wrath of God is upon these people. But I want you to listen to what he says. If you drop down to verses 29 through 31, it says, "...being filled with all unrighteousness and sexual immorality and wickedness and covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters." inventor of evil things. I mean, on and on. You look at that and you say, well, that's the evening news. That's the newspaper. That's the Internet. But here's what's interesting. The very next thing that's mentioned in that list with murder and evil and haters of God, it says the very next thing there is this, disobedient to parents. It's in the list. And it goes on. It says disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, and on. Now imagine in a list like that, murder and all these things, he puts in there the inspired Word of God, disobedient to parents. Now maybe you're wondering about the end times. You're wondering about the last days. The Bible talks about what things are going to be like in the last days. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1-5, through 5, it says, But know this, in the last days perilous times will come. Now, no man knows the hour or the day when the Lord Jesus is returning. If they say they do, they're a false prophet. But no one knows, but I believe we're living in the last days. This goes on to 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning at verse, 10, uh, verse 2. rather. Listen, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, 
proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. It goes on. Unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. And the list of those awful things, right in the list is that phrase, disobedient to parents. This is serious business. This is not comical. It's not funny. Now, all of us have to learn to obey. All of us are rebellious because we're sinners by nature and sinners by choice. Nobody to teach you how to cock an attitude. Nobody to teach you how to steal a cookie. Nobody to teach you to lie. That stuff comes naturally because right? we're sinners by nature and sinners by choice. We need Christ. But we also have to learn to obey. Now, you might be a young person here today. We've got... Many around. Maybe thinking, well, why should I obey my parents? Beyond the discipline, beyond getting in trouble, why should I obey my mom and dad? Why should I obey my parents? Well, I want to give you three reasons that God says of why you ought to obey your parents. All right? They're pretty simple. They're right here. Number one, because it's right. <laughs> because it's right. That's what the Bible says. It simply says, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Now listen, young people. There is a right and there is a wrong. There are some things that are always right and some things that are always wrong. And in this world, you'll have those who say, oh, that's not true. Everything's relative. Some things are right for you. Some things are wrong for me, so forth. But listen, there are some things in life that are always right and some things that are always wrong, and can I just tell you, it says right here, obey your parents and the Lord because it is right. I like what Paxton said. From every angle it is right for God's glory, the home's harmony, and the child's good. Simply put, it's right that you obey your parents. It's right. But not only is it right, it's also commanded. You notice here it says in the Scripture, it just says children... Obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. It didn't say obey them if you feel like it. It didn't say obey if you choose to, just, you know, if you feel like doing it. No, it says obey. It's a command. It's a command. Now remember, we obey the Lord by obeying our parents. In fact, it's interesting. This is not the first time in the Bible we have a command to obey and honor our parents. He brings it up in the book of Exodus in what's called the Ten Commandments. And the fifth commandment in Exodus 20.12 says this, Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. God considers it so important that we obey our parents as a young person and we honor our parents for life. He put it in the Big Ten. The Big Ten, the Ten Commandments. Imagine if you had to boil down morality and things that are right and wrong. And the Big Ten are there... Or Honor and obey your parents. I'm reminded of something that John Maxwell talked about. He said he heard a story of two boys that were going to school and they were talking about their families, as sometimes boys do. And one boy said he figured out a system for getting along with his mom. A system for getting along with his mom. And here's what he said. You might want to listen carefully. He said, it's very simple. She tells me what to do and I do it. That's a system for getting along with mom. That's a system for getting along with dad. 
Life will be a lot smoother if you learn to obey. Have you ever noticed that? It's a lot smoother at home. It's a lot smoother at school. It's a lot smoother in Sunday school if you'll learn to obey. But I've got good news. Because you say, okay, well, it's right, it's commanded. But he also says here that you'll be blessed if you obey. It says, children, obey your parents to the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. He mentions a promise here. And the promise is this. It'll be well with you and you'll live long upon the earth. Now listen, this is a basic promise like a proverb. There are obedient people who do die young. We understand that. Like a proverb, this promise goes out. This command goes out. That if you will obey and learn to live under authority, it'll go well with you and that you'll live long Upon the earth, as a general rule, things will go better for you. you Maybe think, well, how in the world can that work? So I obey, and it goes well for me, and as a general rule, I'll live long upon the earth. I'll have a longer life. Well, I, I ran across a story you might like. Dave Stone tells this story. He says, a number of years ago, our family was in the Dominican Republic on a mission trip. If you've ever driven in a developing uh, country, you know how dangerous the traffic can be. Vehicles whiz past coming within just a few feet of children playing close to the road. One night, my son Sam was playing a game in his own little world in which he would zig and zag back and forth from sidewalk onto the narrow street and back. It wasn't a heavily traveled road, but there was always loud music blaring and it was pitch dark. From about ten feet away, I suddenly shouted, Samuel, don't move! He said immediately he froze. He froze. About a second later, a moped zipped past him going 30 miles per hour with no lights on right where Sam was about to step. He said, my six-year-old didn't ignore me, argue, or blatantly disobey. I said, freeze, and he froze. And that obedience probably saved his life. Obey and honor your parents that it may be well with you, that you may live long upon the earth. Let's just face it, parents, and, and those that maybe are just having kids or you're about to have kids, part of parenting is just trying to keep your kids alive. The first part is trying not to let them kill themselves and then later on trying to let them kill their future. I mean, that's a lot of parenting. Just keep them alive. And sometimes you wonder, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this. As they go out and they just seem to step into danger all the time. But listen, boys and girls, those under authority, teenagers, living life under authority... Learning to live under authority, not with rebellion in your heart, not with a, I'm going to obey. No, to, to, to voluntarily submit, to sweetly submit to authority and as a general rule will help your life to go smoother and you, you'd have a better life. Not a perfect life, but certainly better than living in open rebellion. And so it's pretty simple, children. When you're under mom and dad's authority, obey and honor them. When you grow up and you're not under their authority, you're an adult now, you still honor them. That's the life command. But then we move from the children 
to the fathers. Now, it's interesting because parents are mentioned in verse 1. Children, obey your parents, plural, mom and dad, in the Lord, for this is right. But then we get to verse 4. He's not talking to parents, plural. He's talking there to fathers, to the dads. And you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. And you might be thinking, well, why doesn't he address both mom and dad in verse number 4? Because it says in verse number 1, parents. In verse number 4, it says fathers. I mean, isn't the mom included? Absolutely. I mean, she's vital. She's mentioned there. She plays such a key role in the parenting. The reason I believe it mentions fathers in verse number 4 goes back to what we talked about last week in regards to marriage and the husband, and that is men, you're to be under the lordship of Jesus, the head of your house, the head of your family. You're responsible. You're accountable to God. You're the one that's going to give an account to God. And so he says specifically to you, fellows, to us men, to dads, he has a clear, concise statement to us, just one verse in the whole passage. He says there, and you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Dads, it's important to realize just how sacred our role is in the life of our family and our children. David Roper says that during a visit to the children's Bible class, my preacher friend looked into their serious faces and asked this question. You never know what children are going to say. But he asked this question, why do you love God? Why do you love God? After a moment, a small voice came from the back and it said this, I guess it just runs in the family. I guess it just runs in the family. Dads, in so many ways, you set the tone for your home. You're to be the spiritual leader in your home. Don't abdicate that to your wife. Don't put that upon her. You're to take the lead. You're the one that's responsible. Now you'll notice here that God gives dads, so those of us that are fathers, He gives us a negative and a positive here. Something we shouldn't do and something we should. And by the way, boys and girls, I want you to notice, even dads are under authority. All of us are under God. And all throughout life, we have to submit to authority. That's why it's so important you learn that at home as a child so you can carry it through your life. But let's look at what it says here. First of all, the negative. He says there, do not provoke your children to wrath. What in the world does that mean? Do not provoke your children to wrath. Well, it means this has the idea of, of pushing too hard, of being too harsh, of being unreasonable. Uh, being too demanding upon them. Being too heavy-handed upon them. I was reminded in my study that we have to make a distinction, guys, fellas, dads, between childishness and rebellion. Children have childishness about them. Um, spilling a glass of milk, that comes because of childishness. It happens because they're learning. And so they're there and they spill a glass of milk and we have a response that we have to decide how we're going to respond to that. Are we going to explode and blow up? Are we going to realize that that's childishness and they're still learning? See, that's childishness. If they throw a glass of milk down to the floor in anger, that's rebellion. There's a difference. Milk was spilled in both occasions. One was childishness, one was rebellion. 
One should be compassion and helping and training. The other should be some discipline and instruction. You see what I'm getting at there? We have to make a distinction between childishness and rebellion. So, from a negative standpoint, don't provoke them to wrath. Don't just be on their case all the time, all the time, all the time, all the time, all the time. Just heavy-handed, demanding, harsh, unreasonable. Just on and on to where you provoke them to anger and wrath and bitterness and rebellion. But then there's the positive sign. He says, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Um, Let me read it to you in a newer version. The NLT, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. You see, instead of moving them to wrath, we want to move them toward the Lord. We want to move them toward Jesus. The scary thing, dads, is this. We represent in our children, a lot of them, when they think about God the Father, and they think about the fatherhood of God, guess who they think about? They think about their earthly father. And so in many ways, the way that we live and the ways that we conduct ourselves and the things that we do, we're implanting in our children's minds, not even realizing it many times, when they think about the fatherhood of God, they think about you. And I don't know about you, but that will help your prayer life, won't it? To realize that I'm setting a mindset of my children. When they think about God the Father, well, what is their reference, their point of reference to fatherhood? It's their earthly father. And we need to remind them that God is perfect. We're not. We need to move them to the Lord. We need to move them with correction and discipline and instruction. This is done with love. This is done with compassion. This is done with much patience, and it takes patience. And and by the way, we know we need the Holy Spirit, fruit of the Spirit, right? We need patience in our lives. It's going to take the help of the Lord to be the type of father that we need to be for our kids. We can't do that in our own strength. We can't do that in our own wisdom, our own ability. We've got to be dependent upon the Lord and the Holy Spirit to work in our lives and work through us and to work in our kids' lives to be honest with them. Uh, We need to be willing to apologize, to make correction when we fail. And it's going to take a lot of time. It's going to take a lot of time. Dad, you have to be present to do this. You can't do this remotely. You can't do this from a distance. I mean, if that's the case, you find yourself and then pray and do the best you can and be there as often as you can because I know the family situations are different. You have families that have maybe step parents on one side and joint custody and those sorts of things. But if you can be there as much as possible, it takes time for you to be present in your children's life, to be involved. You have to take the initiative. You have to make the sacrifices. You have to reorient your time and your schedule. You have to invest the blood and the sweat and the tears that come from parenting a child. You have to point them to Jesus. You have to live out Jesus in front of them. 
It's not enough for you to just teach them how to hit a baseball or, or how to shoot a basketball or, or how to cast a, a rod and reel. Those things are great and good. Make sure you teach them how to pray. Make sure you teach them how to go to the Bible. Make sure you teach them the importance of going to church as a family. Make sure you teach them the, the idea of giving and helping and serving other people. Make sure you teach them those things. May they see it in your life and may they hear it from your lips. It takes time. It takes sacrifice. You have to see this as something of the utmost importance. It's not an interruption. It's not a hindrance to your life. It's a calling that God has placed upon your life. He's entrusted to you those children. And expects you, according to this Scripture, to not provoke them to wrath, but to bring them up in the instruction and the admonition of the Lord. And I just got to remind you too that sometimes a lot more is caught than is taught with your lips. In other words, they watch your life. Don't have that mindset, do as I say, but not do as I do. In other words, live out what you say you believe. It's so important. George Mallory, I don't know if you know that name. He was an English mountaineer who took part in the first three British expeditions to Mount Everest in the early 1920s. They tell me that's him back on the back row on the right side there. George Mallory. Mallory and his climbing partner, they disappeared somewhere high up on the north east ridge during their attempt to make the first ascent of the world's highest mountain. Before his disappearance, when Mallory was asked why he wanted to climb Mount Everest, he famously answered with these words, because it is there. I want to climb it because it's there. But on another occasion, George expanded his answer. If you cannot understand that there is something in man which responds to the challenge of this mountain and goes out to meet it, that the struggle is the struggle of life itself, upward and forward, or forever upward, then you won't see why we go. What we get from this adventure is just sheer joy. And joy, after all, is the end of life. A personal letter to George's wife, Ruth, reveals even more about what drove him to climb the mountain. Dearest, he wrote, you must know that the spur to do my best is you and you again. I want more than anything to prove worthy of you. Sadly, the story doesn't end there. Although George Mallory became famous for his achievements, his son John had a different perspective. John was proud of his father, but sad too. And John, the son of George Mallory, later wrote these words. I would so much rather have known my father than have to grown up in the shadow of a legend, a hero, as some people perceive him to be. I just wanted to know my father. Men, can I just say to you, it doesn't matter if you climb Mount Everest 
or the corporate ladder, if you miss out being there for your kids, you have failed. You failed. Because God in His Word says, Fathers, do not, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That fathers, we need to make up our mind right here, right now, that with God's help and God's enablement, we're going to be godly men who will point our kids to love Jesus Christ. Some of you young men, maybe later in teenage life, you're getting to the point where the next decade or so you're going to be a husband and a father. You need to realize the calling that God places upon your life. Make up your mind now as a young man. I want to be a godly man I want to be a godly man now and I want to be a godly man for my wife and I want to be a godly man for my children. And I'm going to grow now. I'm going to mature now. I'm going to know more about Jesus and love Jesus and serve Jesus. May God help us to do it. Clear, isn't it? Concise. Children, obey your parents to the Lord for this is right. Fathers, don't drive them to anger. Instead, drive them to Jesus to love Him, know Him, serve Him, honor Him, and treasure Him forever. One of the greatest things you can do in life <laughs> is to lead your kids to Jesus. Take your family to heaven with you. You can't take the big job. You can't take the pile of money. You can't take the houses and boats. But hey, you can take your kids. Take them with you. Father, we love you. We praise You. We thank You. Father, I know that in a message like this, it's so challenging. There might be some that listen today and they may be feeling like they failed in this regard. and Maybe they think it's too late. Father, help them to see the need of, of doing whatever they can with Your help to restore relationships, to, to pray, to intercede, to love, to cherish, to minister to their children. I pray for families today. I pray for those young people here today. As the world screams at them in so many ways to rebel and to deny God and to go their own way, I pray the Holy Spirit to help them to obey You, Father, as they obey and honor their parents. I pray for dads. Lord, The world screams at us. It paints a picture of success, notoriety, fame, fortune. Help us to see that true success is loving and knowing you and leading our families to love and know you. And that all the other things that you give are tools that we're to use to bless others and serve You. Father, I pray if anybody here this morning does not know You as Lord and Savior, 
as the Holy Spirit is working on their heart, I pray that you would draw them to yourself. Help them to turn from their sin and place their faith in Christ Jesus. Have your will in your way in this invitation. May you be glorified, I pray. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. And the altar is open today if you would like to come and pray about anything. I'm here. Pastor Larry's here. We can help serve you in some way. We'd be glad to do that. We're going to sing in closing number 82, Guide Me, O Thou Great Jehovah. As we sing, as I mentioned, the altar is open. You come if you can pray with you. If you'd like to come pray on your own, you could do that as well. Just the regular verses on the left-hand page, 82, Guide Me, O Thou Great Jehovah. Would you stand as we sing together? Guide me, O Thou Great